welcome back to the Whistle Mission Outdoors podcast. And this is just Jim this week. Pat got sick as a dog, so I got to cover him on news. And I'm just going to kind of do a quick little one here because uh, I'm kind of lost without him, to be honest with you. I'm not the same podcaster without Pat. Um, So just to give you a little week review here since the last time. We went hunting. I didn't see anything. Uh, I did get my saddle in the mail, so I am happy with that. I, uh, I got the sticks. I'm actually going to be out in it this weekend. Last weekend, I do want to mention I finished one of my favorite reads of all time. If you, anybody is a reader out there and is looking for a good book, this one is called Kingdom of Ice. And uh, it's not a well-known story because it is about America's first expedition to the North Pole that began planning in like uh, the 1870s. And pretty much the end of the story was like 1881, I believe is what it was. And... I had no idea. There was so much history. It's more than just a story of going to the North Pole. There was years and years of planning. The first, uh, I'd say, 150 pages of the book is actually dedicated to America and the original, uh, not the original, but I mean, at least the there was a World's Fair uh, held in 1871, which also, you know, oddly enough, 1871 is the year that Chicago burned down from, you know, supposedly uh, a certain cow tipping over a lantern and just burning the whole place down. So we also had a World's Fair where like uh, Edison brought out his light bulbs and there was all kinds of technology that just all of a sudden just exploded and it created this whole new way of technology. And uh, there was actually experts back then that said, if anybody's going to reach the North Pole first, it will be the Americans. But it goes into history of presidents and culture and mindsets of different things. And it, it was way, way more than just the... Uh, in fact, I would almost say you start losing information on things when you get to the ex, uh, expedition. But it was a story. It was just a crazy story. These guys get locked on ice. They float around for a couple of years. They're playing football on ice and just survival and just the horrible, horrible conditions these guys put themselves through for the interest of science. But anyway, that's called Kingdom of Ice. Uh, I forget the author's name. I had it probably popping in my mind here in a second. But that was a very good read. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just been kind of a typical week. I do miss Pat. Uh, hopefully he's getting good. I don't. We don't know if it's COVID. We don't know what's going on. But uh, I know he woke up Sunday morning. We were supposed to. He was supposed to be out hunting with me and Dan. And he's uh, he's like, sorry guys. I feel terrible, and I called him on the way home, and he couldn't even talk to me very long on the phone. So, and always he's sick, and I'm hoping he gets better soon. I'm hoping he's uh, okay in time for the weekend hunt. After the uh, segments here, I'm going to go over uh, the importance of uh, keeping a, a journal, an outdoor journal specifically. But I'm actually going to give uh, some examples. I'm going to go a little deeper into just you know what to write or just do it kind of thing. I'm actually going to go a little deeper into why this is very important for you. So stay tuned, and I'm going to tell you how keeping a journal actually kind of like changed my mindset for things. But first, I'm going to move into the news, which I'm going to try and move through quick because I know it's not as fun without a conversation. But I'm going to start with Indiana. This is from WTHR.com. DNR helps young trapper free bobcat caught in northern Indiana coyote trap. And some of these names and these stories I found, I'm going to butcher real bad, and I apologize for that. But the boy in Kosciuszko County uh, had set traps for coyotes but found a bobcat before school on Monday morning. Conservation officer helped free the bobcat caught by the young northern 
Indiana Trapper, Monday morning. Indiana Indiana DNR officers responded to the call by the boy who had set the trap to catch coyotes, but found the bobcat in the trap before school Monday. Officers posted photos of the trap bobcat on Facebook, saying the trap line was the first the boy had set this year. A conservation officer who answered the call helped the trapper and his father release the bobcat, which ran into the woods after it was freed. According to DNR, bobcats have been spotted in every county in Indiana, but have been mostly located in the southern parts and central Indiana. There has been an increase in sightings in the northern part of the state. So that's for Indiana. Uh, Let me see here. I don't know which one I want to go next. You know, I'm going to go Michigan, and I actually found this looking for a Illinois article, but I thought this was great. And the the dam they're talking about in the story actually strikes pretty close to home. But this is from uh, M Live. That's one of Pat's favorites. M Live, Great Lakes governors, lawmakers push for invasive carp project funds. So this is out of Lansing, Michigan. Midwest governors and congressional delegates are advocating for funding to speed along the fortification of a choke point lock and dam near Chicago that would be the last line of defense against invasive carp reaching the Great Lakes. On December 10th, the governors of Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, New York, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, and Pennsylvania sent a letter to Congress asking to put in roughly $10 million towards the Brandon Road Lock and Dam reconstruction in 2022. So the Brandon Road Lock and Dam, this is just me talking now. That's actually very, that's not far from where I live, and I actually travel over for work a lot. It's a really neat road. And I always was wondering if that was the last line of defense uh, for the invasive carp coming into or the Asian carp. We're not supposed to call it that, but that's what it is. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go down Brandon Road, there's an old, uh, there's a lot of times it's closed because there is a drawbridge that keeps breaking and they can't get parts for it because it's so old and like uh, they have to find certain groups of guys that can make the parts for it and whatnot. And then even when they sort that out, the semis like to hit this low hanging bridge over there. So it's kind of a mess, but really cool road to go down because the way the uh, Desplaines River splits and then there's quarries after that. And then you come up real close to the Joliet racetrack. It's a really neat, really neat road to go down. So if you're in, uh, I would say like uh, the Joliet area and Believe it or not, if I-80 is all blocked up, it's an excellent way to get around it. You can head down Laraway Road after that, but go down. That's a that's a road worth driving down. At least it's one of my favorites. Pre-construction is expected to cost $29 million. About 35% of that has already been provided. Michigan previously pledged $8 million and Illinois $10.5 million. The work is expected to last three to four years. And they're pretty much asking Congress to get involved because of other projects that have kind of that they've gotten involved with, saying this is at least as big of, a, of an issue. Please come help us. We need to get this done because we could lose the Great Lakes as we know it. It could. Uh, I know it, it. Everything seems so far in advance, but it's really not. I mean, in my lifetime, I can watch the Great Lakes. I can watch Lake Michigan fishing going from what it is to being almost eliminated. Uh, in my lifetime, this could happen if things go out of whack. The gauntlet-style fortification project is located on the Displains River near Joliet. I already said that, sorry. It would be it would reconfigure the Brandon Road lock with fortifications to hamper invasive silver and bighead carp from moving upstream, such as an electric barrier, a bubble barrier, acoustic deterrence, and flushing lock. The upgrades are meant to reduce the chances fish could slip through while still allowing barge traffic to pass. One last little note here. The Great Lakes fishing industry is valued at $7 billion. $7 billion would it be? I did not know it was that big. I knew there, there's a lot of people relied on this. I did not know it was that big. So that's my uh, Michigan story. I guess I'm going to move into Wisconsin. 
Uh, and this is from news8000.com. So Wisconsin DNR bans feeding deer in Eau Claire and Jackson Clark counties. People in Eau Claire and Jackson Clark, Clark ah, let me start that one over. People in Eau Claire, Jackson, and Clark counties will not be able to bait or feed whitetail deer starting this week after a deer tested positive for chronic wasting disease in Eau Claire County. The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources notified the public that the farm-raised deer in the town of Fairchild in Eau Claire County within 10 miles of, it, of the borders with Clark and Jackson counties had the disease. Fairchild, they actually know very well. State law requires the DNR to ban feeding or baiting deers in areas where animals test positive for CWD or tuberculosis to stop the spread of the disease. Bait piles can encourage deer to congregate unnaturally around a shared food source where sick deer can spread CWD through direct contact with healthy deer or by leaving behind infectious prions in their saliva and urine. Eau Claire's baiting and feeding ban has been renewed for three years, and there are new two-year bans in Jackson and Clark counties. All right, moving on to Illinois. And I've been relying on this source a little bit more and more lately, but this is called the Southern Illinoisan. Illinois senators want historic... Now here's one of those other names I'm going to butcher. Illinois senators want historic Cahokia Mounds to be a national park. At first glance, Cahokia Mounds State Historic Site appears to be Well-Groomed City Park. However, the visitors walking the gravel paths move slowly through the well-manicured grounds. It is almost as if they are searching or well aware of the spirits that accompany every step. Cahokia Mound State Historic Site, once the home of a great cities of medieval times, is now a grassy oasis in a gritty industrial neighborhood in Metro East. There is nothing to suggest the past greatness except the mounds, 70 of them to be exact, exact. At least 70 of the original 120 mounds. Some are small. Some are nearly unnoticeable. Others, like Monk's Mound, the largest at the site, are too large to go unnoticed. Monk's Mound commands the 2,200-acre site standing 100 feet tall. From about 900 to 1,200 A.D., up to 20,000 people of the Mississippian group called this region home. The settlement is believed to have been larger than London at the time. Largely an agricultural community, the mounds were built for a number of purposes, some practical, like burial mounds, some ceremonial, for religious purposes. Yet sometime around 1300, the vast people left Cahokia, leaving just the mounds behind. Unfortunately, the Europeans that followed weren't good stewards of the area. Over the years, mounds have been torn down for agricultural purposes, disassembled and sold for fill. Modern man has been far from perfect. The busy Collinsville Road now separates Monk's Mound from the Grand Plaza below. Archaeologists have studied the site over the years, recovering tre treasure trove artifacts. The state of Illinois has overseen the facility for about 70 years. Oops, sorry about that. The state of Illinois has overseen the facility for about 70 years, and the international community has taken notice. The United Nations declaring Cahokia Mounds a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Cahokia Mounds has also been named a National Historic Landmark. Illinois Senators Dick Durbin and Tammy Duckworth are asking President Joe Biden to declare Cahokia Mounds part of the national park system. The site is located just off of I-255 on Collinsville Road. It's open from dawn to dusk daily. The center there is open Thursday through Sunday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. So I did not know this existed, and that's why I like this Southern Illinoisan because they open up my whole perspective. Just when you think you know Illinois, I uh, know a very small fraction of Illinois. So I do enjoy reading stuff like that. And man, I, there's a lot of things in Southern Illinois that are really drawing my attention lately. Like I've never been to Shawnee, uh, Shawnee National Park, National Forest actually, not National Park, but I've never been to uh, Shawnee. I'd like to go to Shawnee. I know I got a buddy that goes hunting down there and he does excellent. He loves it. 
His parents live down there. In fact, we're supposed to have him on the podcast after the uh, first of the year. But that's it for the news. I am going to move into, I'm hoping, I haven't at this point, but I'm hoping I have a Bushlight Billy in a Kelsey's Corner for you. So we are going to move into that now. So if you hear it, they showed up. Welcome to Kelsey's Wait, Corner. You didn't point it out. I was supposed to say that. <sighs> Welcome to Kelsey's Corner. It sounded like fun, so I wanted to do it. Yeah, but that's my part. So your brother-in-law is out of service this week. Yeah, he's sick. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. I miss my... Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of odd doing one. So I'm actually curious. I mentioned something that you brought into my life into the my main little talking section. So, oh, what is it? I want to know. I, we're recording this the day after I did this. It's all a solo podcast except for the segments like this. Bush Like Billy's supposed to be here later, but uh, you'll see. I'll give you a hint. It's, a, <laughs> it's about a, It's about an outdoor journal. You can listen to it tomorrow. Oh, okay. Well, I'm at work tomorrow. That's not fair. You got a, you got a long ride to work. <laughs> My two-minute ride to work. It actually takes her longer to walk from her punch clock to her car than it takes for her to drive the car home. That's true. It does, actually. It's kind of sad. So anyway, I take it we're doing bathroom or you're going to switch gears on us? No, we're doing the bathroom. I figured I would just do it until it's complete. Okay. So last week, if you remember... We talked about planning out your bathroom, like, well, any room. Configuration. Just configuration. So next up is once you decide that, hey, a nurse and a, what do you call yourself? A second shift mechanic. That's all I am. Second (laughs) second shift grunt is all I am. Once you decide that those two people are not really... Probably the best at demolishing and tiling. Demolishing, I could have handled. Well, demolishing is fine, but I didn't want to tile. I didn't want to learn how to tile on my beautiful bathroom. I know how to tile, but guess what? You don't want a second shift mechanic doing your tile work that you spent all this money on that you got to live with for many, many years. Very you don't want true. the second shift. Me- I can do it. Everyone's like, why don't you do it yourself? And it's like, because I don't want it to look like a second shift mechanic did it. <laughs> or a nurse. You know, I'm used to unbolting things, and when I forgot to do something, I you know have to unbolt it and put things back together. It's real easy, but when yeah. you put that stuff up there, it's permanent. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm getting handy, but I really don't want to do this. So once you decide not to do it yourself, the next step is to find who will do it for you. So I think that that's um, more important than just. Oh, doing... this is not the direction I thought you were going See? today. Yeah, you thought I was going to do materials. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did. Okay, so go ahead. So go into picking a contractor. So picking a contractor, you have to number one, in my opinion, you have to get multiple multiple quotes. Um, I think I got a total of seven different quotes. So I started out by just googling. I googled. So I had one of these big companies come and do it. Um, and they were nice. They gave me like a bunch of ideas, but they were like eight grand more than what I wanted to spend. So once I figured out that more, um, like big name remodeling companies were going to be more expensive, I actually posted in like our new Linux Facebook page to try and get people. So that's where I found the other six people. And then I had them all over. They all measured everything. Um, kind of gave you like estimates and everything and then they gave me all quotes but then you have to pick somebody that uh, not only like is interested but like you're comfortable with like you don't want some random like weird person in your house so what are you still doing here (laughs) i just want to point out he's not even paying attention to me talk everybody i am too you are Cutting a fly thing. I'm, I'm cutting epoxy off a, uh, a head I epoxied. That's all. I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you want to make sure. Sure, that- I'll have a beer. <laughs> See, he does that every time I tell him he doesn't even listen to me. I bet you even forgot what we're doing tonight. Did you remember uh, our date night? I did. What's our date night activity tonight? Oh, man. 
Hmm. I remember there was a date night and I remember there was an activity. Does that help? No. Oh, uh, gingerbread houses. Yes. I'll give it to you. (sighs) Anyway. Um, Go ahead. Mr. So back Scrooge to pick- over here. I hate Christmas. Anyway, so you want to pick a contractor that you're comfortable with. Um, some of the people that like came, they just like, I don't know. There was one guy who complained that um, like the basement had like a spider web where he was. And it was like, dude, it's a basement. Um, and then the other guy just seemed like he like would take, like he told me it would take 12 weeks to finish. Because he, it's hey, not they're his, not far off here, pal. Now, I know. Just so you know. Well, I know, but it's not even his. He's like, you know, this isn't really my first job. It's going to take twelve weeks, and that doesn't include like so the glass shower door. That doesn't include any of that because um, he didn't do like the countertops and the glass door. Um, and then he actually would have to hire out like the electrical work. He said it would depend on an electrician that I had to find. So that was annoying to me. I'm like, I would have to find an electrician. The countertops and the glass I knew wouldn't be um, included unless you went with one of these big box ones, but still, I wanted to find somebody I was comfortable with. So that is how we landed on our contractor. Um, surprisingly, do you want to give his name out or no? Do yeah, want, so actually, surprisingly, I met Dan first, um, who's the one who slammed the door, not Pete. So Dan actually came out um, and he said, hang on, I have to talk to my brother because Pete's the contractor. So then Pete came out, and Pete looked at it, and they were very interested. Um, he was just very personable. He's not like a weirdo dude. Super um, nice guys. Super nice guys. But they do know how to slam a door all day. Yeah, so. they do yeah. slam doors. Um, but I think what really like drew me to him is he responded to my email. He told me that my quote would take him two weeks, and I'm like, okay, fine. The quote took four days. Um, and yeah, as I say, four, I, I'm surprised because, yeah, we had that back quick. Yeah, his quote was the quickest. Um there was one guy, he actually gave me a quote during, like, Pete was start, like, Pete started, and he gave me a quote, and it was, like, I think it was six, it was way off than what I wanted to spend. Um, but he ended every email with pressing on, so I just thought that was super cute. <laughs> yeah, she did. She loved that. I did. So, actually, in my phone, he's pressing on Pete Bathroom Man, um, just because they think it's cute. And then his brother is um, pressing on Pete's brother, because <laughs> I thought that was cute. Um, but you want to make sure that you have, you didn't even laugh at that. Like about a good I laugh at funny things and, uh, I'm waiting for one to come across Whatever. my table here. Um, but you want to pick a contractor that you're comfortable with. Cause these people are going to be in your house. They're going to be like around all your stuff. All day. All day. All day. Like you don't want to have somebody that you're not comfortable with. Like my closet is like right there. They were in and like in my closet. So I didn't want to have like some weird of them. Like, Oh, I feel like they're going to go through my stuff. Nope. I mean, we gave him the combination to our door. Smelling underwear and stuff. Is that what you mean? Well, just like you never know. People are weird. I just didn't like get a good vibe off some people. I wanted to make sure I hired somebody that A, knew what they were doing, but B, like if we weren't home, I didn't want somebody like worrying about somebody. Like we left them here with the dogs. Like we weren't worried about them at all. Um, So that's how we, I think you should pick a contractor is number one, if the price is right, um, and then you should pick somebody that you're comfortable with. I actually have a tip on picking a contractor. Can I tell you? Okay. This was a, this was a, a, a one of my last jobs. I was talking to a guy that knows all about contractors. Me and him were just bullshit. I don't know if you could believe that or not. But mm. so I'm sitting there talking to this guy, and he said the number one thing you do when you're picking a contractor is when he shows up at your house, you go outside and you look at his truck. Hmm. When you look at his truck and you, it's a nice new loaded up pickup truck, remember you are paying for that in the price of this bathroom. 
Pete's truck wasn't that nice. No, I'm just saying in general. Yeah. I'm not talking about this. So if you, if you, okay, so I'm getting a roof done, you know, and the guy shows up and it's an F-350, a 2027 F-350, and it's like all loaded to the gills with, you know, remember that guy's probably got a thousand dollar a month payment on it and he's got to make it while he's working on your house. So remember you were paying certain bills like that. Hmm, there you go. You go out and you look and it's like an old truck. And it's like a 15-year-old truck. It's like that guy's definitely got it paid off. He's got a little more wiggle room for bills because he doesn't have all this debt to go along with the business. And same thing with equipment. If this guy owns brand new equipment, you know, let's say you're getting a driveway done and this guy shows up with a front-end loader and a a skid steer, brand new right out of the box, those are very expensive. Chances are you're paying for those with your project. Probably. So you want to get the guy that's got the old tools and the old truck and a lot of experience. That's the best way. That's the best uh, best thing I heard. But look, at that's exactly what happened to us. And yeah. you didn't even know that tip. No, I didn't. I didn't even. Th- I was just thinking about that guy that told me that. I could picture him right now telling me that. Yeah. He said he had to get a driveway done and the contractor showed up. It was five guys in new cars that were all wearing gold chains. Yeah. No, the, they were very down to earth. Um, I also liked every time they came over, they put um, like little booties on their feet because they were like work work boots. And instead of just taking their boots off, they just put little booties on. And I like that because I try to keep my floors clean. Try. And She's it just not good at it. drives. Excuse me. I spent four hours cleaning today. Well, what took um, so long? But it drives me crazy when people walk around outside in your house, like bringing in outside dirt. It's disgusting. Like, I do that. I know. And it drives me crazy because like <laughs> Connor crawls around on the floor. It's like he puts his hand in his mouth. No, I want my floors clean. No shoes in my house. Um, so, yeah. There was something else I was going to say. Oh, contracts um anytime you like hire somebody you should always make sure that they lay everything out for you and that they are able to do what they're doing we learned that with our fence company didn't get everything laid out yeah, in fine yeah, yeah. print um anyway so you just want everything laid out make sure that they're able to do it um Pete was a contractor. He's not like a plumber, but he said he's able to do the plumbing. And so well, far, I, I nothing mean, I, has been wrong. And I, I give him credit. Like, I'm not a plumber, but I can do I, – I know how to sweat pipe, and I know some of the codes. But that's why I like having guys that know that stuff. Yeah. There's so many codes that you screw up. And that's why when it comes to electrical, if you're not if you're not proficient with it, you might burn your house down. That's what you're dealing with. If yeah. you're not proficient with it. Well, I liked it, um, it too because he is not an electrician, so he had an electrician come. And I didn't have to worry about that. He figured that into the price and everything. Everybody else, um, like three out of the seven, told me I would have to find an electrician to come and do everything. So it's just more like work that I didn't want to do. Um, and then what I did like about him was he let me choose whatever I wanted. Um, some of the people were like, well, I'll bring things to you. The big box one was like, you can choose from certain samples. That rubbed me the wrong way because I really wanted this bathroom to be exactly what I wanted, not like, hey, pick from these three tiles. Do this, do that. So it kind of would bother me. So I like that. A lot of freedom with Pete. Is that all you got? Yeah, I figured I would just talk about that and then next week talk about how to choose materials and all that. There's actually, now that you just said, you just brought up next week. Yes. So there's been some emails sent and this is the last Kelsey's Corner. Um. Yeah. So. <laughs> Who emailed you and said they don't want any more Kelsey's Corner? Well, I signed a contract and it's now going to be Stephanie's Corner. So <laughs> you're. <laughs> oh my goodness. Poor Stephanie is living the quarantine life right now. She is being so productive. I give her credit. You are out. So we got an mm. actual professional coming in. Stephanie, okay. let's do one together. Have yeah. me on as your guest. So. 
She's all right, inspirational. If that's all you got, thanks yeah, a bunch. I'm going to go get your groceries. Oh, you better. Get out of here. Go. Bye. Bushlight Billy, alive and well. Hey, what's going on, Jim? I know you barricaded yourself in your house last week and wouldn't come out for anything. It, you know? I know. I've been at work constantly. It's that time of year. But you know what? We were able to get everything done. Everything is shipping either Friday or next week. Thank God. So you got a typical cook here that you would cook for a busy week kind of guy. Busy week. Um, I did it on a Sunday. Um, it was pretty good. Didn't smoke anything, but you know what? I was kind of feeling. He did bring bushlight today. I did bring bushlight. Yeah. So I just made a roast beef. Real easy to do. I actually I went to Jewel and bought a top round roast. Typical what you would use for roast beef. I get home. Oh, it's on sale. Oh, I'll pick it up. I get home. I had one already. <laughs> I must have bought that one on sale. I can't remember. I think you name. have a problem. I think this is beginning to be a problem. I have a meat problem. Yeah, you have a meat problem. <laughs> I can't say no if it's on sale. It's like you with like fishing stuff, fishing lures. If it's on sale, can't say no. That's true. That's you know I me. Mean? Half my musky lure collection is because I got a deal on it. I know. Well, we were just talking about how many we had. That's like I look at it. Yeah, same thing. We. You had a thing. Remember when we'd go up north? You you could not leave a bait store. You could not leave the Northwoods without a new lure. Uh, no, because it always told a story. It was like, now oh, you want to drop them off here or take these things. <laughs> I didn't know. And then I used three of them. Yeah, that's what me and Fat were saying. <laughs> you had a big Lakewood box full of lures that I, I only throw three of them. But anyway, go ahead. So but yeah, so meat problem, uh, meat addiction, um, roast beef. Took it out. The big thing with doing a roast beef in the oven is I say it all the time, but I can't stress the importance of it. It it really does help. Bring it up to room temperature. Pull it out of the fridge like an hour or two before you're gonna cook it. It just helps it cook more evenly, cooks faster. It's like I can't I can't stress that enough. What about if you pulled it out of the freezer? Because like you said, you came home and had one in the freezer. How long would it have to sit out of a freezer like that? Well, a freezer. If I'm doing if I know if I'm planning ahead, I'll put it in the fridge a couple of days beforehand. But if I'm doing it in the freezer and I just want to defrost it really quick, a quick and easy method, fill the sink full of cold water and let it sit in there for a few hours. Cold water? Cold water, yeah. You really? Not, not warm water, huh? No. Oh, You'll okay. cook the outside of it. It'll be brown. You want to keep the color, you know? I got gotcha. you. I didn't... Be, stupid me would have just filled it up with hot water and hot said, water. now that baby's done. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know? frozen, half-boiled, <laughs> <laughs> brown piece of meat. That doesn't sound very no, good. not very good at all. Um... No, get it up to room temperature. Take a little paring knife, and uh, I used about three or four cloves of garlic. I love garlic. Uh, so I just cut little slits into it and stick a clove of garlic in there. Um, really kind of just get some of the flavor, you know, into the meat. Um, 275 for about an hour and a half, two hours for medium rare. It, it depends on how big your roast is. It, the time is going to vary. I use my uh, meat thermometer. I get it up to about 130 degrees internal. And then pull it out. You, do you use that Bluetooth one or no? No. I used to. So I don't want to bash the company, but I, I, I tried the Bluetooth one. I could never get it to work. It, was, it would always say that my ambient temperature was like 600 degrees, and it would always throw an alarm. Got a hold of the company. They sent me a new one after troubleshooting and everything. Okay, cool. You know, fair enough, a replacement. And uh, I get that one, and that one doesn't connect to my phone. <laughs> oh man so you spend a hundred dollars on this thing I, I wrote a nasty review i won't say their name but i wrote a nasty review online and i'll never buy something like that so you use like the old-fashioned one my grandma used no a little bit more advanced than that you go to lowell's get you a twenty dollar digital one it's it takes oh that's what i use that's what i use on the grill yeah okay. it's a twenty dollar digital one you fold it up it's yeah quick it's the, easy instant readings and they're great it's, they are absolutely it's great. easy to clean it's water it's just 
why use anything else? I, I just thought the Bluetooth it. one would be cool or any of the like, the ones I'm talking about with my grandma. You just put it inside like the turkey or whatever. Yeah. And it's got the dial. So you just got to turn the light on in the stove and see what the temperature is. You don't actually have to physically open the stove. Yeah. No, yeah. It, that's one of the great benefits of it. Um, what I plan on doing in the future is when I bought my Gorilla Grill, um, shortly thereafter, they came up with an upgrade so you can actually hook up uh, the Gorilla uh, temperature probe to your phone and then download the app and everything like that. So it's going to be about a hundred bucks. I just haven't gotten around to ordering it yet. Yeah, you're a little busy, but you know the the, the dark abyss of time is coming. The dark in a abyss of, of weeks. time when you got nothing to do and we're slowing down at work and all all the, all the house projects start then. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think I already started building. So I had a I had a little bit of extra time, so I started building the website. Yeah. I get frustrated building the website. I got about I got no more than thirty minutes before I'm good and frustrated and leave. Yep. So, but that that that's got to get done for the first of the year. Little but anyway, bit of time. so two hundred seventy five degrees. Two hundred seventy five degrees, depending on the size of it. Cook it till you get to about hundred. I like mine medium rare, hundred thirty degrees. Pull it out. Don't cover it or anything. Um, all, all I did was. Uh, it, it, it the temperature raised about five degrees after you pull it out and let it rest for you know 20 30 minutes it's gonna keep cooking once you pull it out uh sliced it up had a nice roast beef uh dinner with some uh boiled potatoes quick and easy those little baby dutch gold potatoes quick easy sunday meal and then i had uh roast beef sandwiches for a couple of days throughout the week so, so you slice it Slice it, put some provolone cheese on it. I uh, sautéed some onions. What do you do for storage? Because I know sometimes the sometimes beef like that doesn't store very good. Come day four or five. Yeah, but I, like right now I'm out of it. But I've been eating it for like <laughs> three days straight for but lunches. What do you use? To, is there anything you do for storing it? Just Saran wrap or like, no? Uh, I, I store I store any of my meat in like a Pyrex glass container. Oh, okay, and that's good enough for yeah. So for, th- so I mean, if you did that on Sunday, it was still good on Friday. I don't know about Friday. I mean, I ran out of it, but. Um, oh, okay. I thought I thought I didn't. I guess I didn't know how much you actually had. Yeah. You know, I pictured this big piece of meat, and that I'm no, thinking, it was probably only a pound and a half, two pounds. Oh yeah, big. that's that's three meals. Yeah, you know, that was all. It was. Maybe it was, four if you don't have a big appetite. It was a really good dinner and a couple of good lunches. Uh, you know, with like I said, with some French rolls, provolone cheese, sautéed onions, and then I just sliced up the roast beef, put it on there. Good to go. Like, nice, nice, easy, quick, easy meal prep for the week. So that's it? So, yeah, that's all I got for you this week, Jim. Real uh, like quick, I um, so I was just thinking as you were talking, and I did like the solo section that I want you to listen to and I want some feedback on, mm-hmm. but I did not mention that, did you know that if you can hear this podcast, that that means you can be on it? You just got to email us at whistlemission, or, I'm sorry, whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Was that a gmail.com? It was a gmail. It was whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. Oh, okay. So I forgot to mention that in my solo thing. I'm actually curious. The other thing I asked, uh, I was going to ask you, did you see the fly, free fly video? I did. I actually shared it on Facebook. So I started getting to work on these. I was going to get your opinion here. Okay. Let's take a gander. So that's some of them so far. They look good. You can get them for free. Okay. I got two more over here. These are these are if you come up with a really good idea. And I, I think one guy's getting one so far. How do you get them for free? So you have to email me at whistlemissionpodcast at gmail.com. A idea for the podcast, and if we use your idea... I send you a fly. You send me your address. I send you a fly. It is literally no cost to you. You get a free fly. Doesn't matter what you do with it. You got it. You know. I like free stuff. But check these out. These are actually articulated. I actually tied one of these. I forget which one in that video. You mean joined it? So yeah, joined it. If you're a crankbait guy, you'd call that joined it. If you're a fly guy, it's articulated. But see, this one's got a rattle. Oh, very nice. Yeah. See. So this one, this one's gonna be like the major giveaway. But those are the epoxy heads. Cal was just yelling at me for for. Uh, 
carving out the eyes with a knife like this one so yeah. you can get a line in it you know she goes you're not even listening to me i'm like no i'm listening to you i said <laughs> yeah. sure go get me a beer yeah. <laughs> you guys gotta have a name for everything with fly fishing oh the best the best one is strike indicator the strike indicator it's like you're an idiot it's a bobber you, mean a bobber. you know it's a bobber <laughs> <laughs> knowing that in fly fishing it's a strike indicator uh, you mean the bobber the bobber yeah that you mean that three cent thing that you get at the gas station yeah right so anyway so anyway. I, I wanted to make sure you saw those flies so you can verify on your segment this is your segment you can verify that those flies are worth getting they actually are so All handmade by me by you so anyway very good hey thanks for having me jim you're gonna do this again for us next week yeah. you're not gonna barricade in no I, I i promise work is pretty much slowing down very okay. much so so i plan on having a lot more different uh like you said black abyss of time it's time to start experimenting with some meats i'm looking forward to it i'm hoping uh maybe it'll be bambi you know or bambi's mom i'd prefer bambi's mom i'm hopeful you know? yeah I, I got, i'm cheering for you guys i did get the saddle in i was just saddling up out there so friday morning i have off so i'm gonna be out gripping on the trees and maybe just maybe we will have something i have all the faith in you all right thanks again hey thanks so this week, like I said, I'd like to dive into uh, the importance and the, I, w- I don't want to say necessity, but you really should take it seriously of keeping a journal, an outdoor journal. I'm actually going to go full circle. So I actually care, I keep two journals. One is from all my outdoor activities. So I have, I have pages in here for when I went scouting over this like early, early spring, late winter, however you want to put it. I have, every time I've been fishing out this year, I have a, a page in here just saying something about the day. And each day can be a little different. It, if you were in a good mood, you did good, celebrate it. Celebrate what you did uh, in, in a page. Uh, if it went poorly, explain the way you felt about it. Explain what you did to combat it. Um, but lay down everything. And on top of the other facts, uh, I keep uh, water temp, air temp most of the time, you know, if I'm fishing, obviously. And I just opened this up. I got a, I'm going to read you just a couple examples of what I have. I'm going to give you, uh, here's one from 731. So July 31st this year, uh, I wrote, woke up at 3.30 and I was at the launch at I-90 on the Fox River. Decided to go upstream simply by guessing, which later I'll regret, realizing downstream has much deeper water. I went up and casted and didn't catch anything. I did see a lot of deer and it was taunting a coyote. I decided... I needed a nap and leaned up on the motor and dozed off for a half hour while drifting downstream. I, you know, I kind of, until I'm reading this, I kind of forgot about that. I literally, I, I was just sitting there. I didn't have the, the intention of napping. I, was, I just needed some rest because I was out fishing late the night before. I really only got a couple hours of sleep. Um, so I dozed off on this motor. I, you know, I was propped out of the water because water was so shallow. And the way the bench seat lines up in the boat and the shroud on the motor, it's like this perfect backrest. I ended up dozing off, waking up and looking at the shore like, oh, my God, it, that could have been a dam, you know, whatever. But that was kind of a crazy morning. Decided to take a ride downstream. I remember doing that because I wanted to see what was downstream because I literally got to this launch and never – I fished out of a canoe once with Bush Light Billy. We didn't go very far, and we were like, man, there's no water here. So we only fished for a little bit and left. In fact, Bush Light Billy, funny story about that, he left his rod on the shore, and he had it all set up. It was a St. Croix with like a Shimano spinning reel. We made it down I-90. We're heading eastbound on, down I-90. And he's like, dude, I forgot my rod. So we turned around and actually ran back to the launch. And there's this guy holding it. Me and him were so excited to see it. We jumped out of the car and ran towards the guy. And the guy practically threw it at us thinking we were going to mug him for it. And we're like, oh, I'm so sorry. We're just so excited to see that. And it was a well-set-up rod. Bill used it everywhere all the time. And I think this guy, we, just, I, we scared the lights out of this guy for sure. But I will be back soon and fish it. Air temp 70, water 76. 
So that was 731. Uh, and I, the reason why I'm going into the importance of this is because I've kind of like I've been beaten down pretty good by deer hunting this year. Now, for anybody that's been listening for any length of time knows that this is my first year deer hunting. And, uh, you know, I read the articles, I watch the videos, I buy the gear, I practice my gear, and I'm always I'm adjusting. I just want to be good at it. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of getting beaten up this year. I've been out every weekend since October 1st, you know, so say about what is that 10 weekends? I'm sorry if you can hear that dog barking. He's always barking. So as I was writing in my journal this week, I was filling out a couple of days. And this is from uh, the 9th. So 12-9-2-1. Off of work, went to Kankakee River State Park, walked to the river by a duck blind and set up. I lost interest real quick, burning out on failure. I need to get back into character and finish strong. That's all I wrote. I didn't even write temperature down. I didn't. I was frustrated. When I got home, I was frustrated. And reading this, I know this now, you know, I read, I wrote this with like, like the emotion still. So then the next day it was 1210, went with Pat to, I'm not gonna tell you that hunting spot and did not know it was a swamp, kept breaking through ice into water, had a leak in my boot and cold, wet feet, finished kingdom of ice. I was just telling you about that. Cause I did just finish that, uh, at 9.30, we decided to go because I had a hole in my boot. My boot was full of ice-cold water for four or five hours, whatever it was. Still losing the drive, and I need to keep strong mind and not give up. Don't be a bitch. Finish strong. That is literally what I wrote in my journal. And then uh, on 12.12, I don't need to read this, but uh, uh, you know I will. Went to Kankakee River and just ground sat. Did see a large group of turkeys. Met up with Dan in the woods, and he went and sat by the turkeys uh, I followed him back to his tree where he showed me the saddle setup because he's just getting in a saddle as well. We kind of like all bounced this idea off each other. I should have listened to Pat in the first place. You know, I already admitted that once and he made it very, look very easy. I was nervous about how much work this was going to take. So when I watched Dan who never did it either go bink, 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 and he was up the tree and the same thing going down. So I'm like, Oh man, this is great. This is great. And so we walk back. I, this, uh, so this is why I'm back to what I wrote. We walk back and bullshit in the parking lot, researching sticks and maybe in the saddle next weekend. And uh, so here is uh, the, the thing that kind of the reason why this kind of struck me strong is because it says finish strong, and finishing strong is a lot more than just saying it. And my other journal, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but my other journal is my workout journal. So I actually write down my workout for the day. So it's actually. Before I even do a rep, uh, I already know what my workout is. And I work out, I, I'm mostly under a barbell with as heavy a weight as possible or with as heavy a weight for the most amount of reps as possible. And for anybody that does any kind of weightlifting, you know that when you get that uh, you get that bar, and like for instance, today, this morning I was deadlifting, and I had to do, it doesn't sound like much, but I had to do 275 pounds for, uh, which, which really isn't that much weight, uh, for anybody that thinks it might be, but anyway, 275 pounds, 12 times. And it's a big compound movement, you know? And so pretty much any kind of weight after, after about seven, you're starting to be like, I just want to, I just want to catch my breath, you know, bending down, standing up, bending down, standing up, you know, even, even without a load, it can kind of like, you just need to catch your breath. But anyway, I usually, when I'm doing something like that, I usually get to rep eight or nine. And in my brain, I'm telling myself, I am done. This is, I'm just, you know what? I can't do, I can't go anymore. I just need to catch my breath, blah, blah, blah. But then something else quickly snaps into my head that says, finish strong, finish strong. So then I get that 12th rep. And 
Now, yes, I'm, I'm about the same out of breath. I'm not in any worse shape or, or anything like that. And, but I'm better for it. I'm better for it because I pushed myself through it. And, but I have to remind myself of that. But by writing some of this stuff down, I swear it's almost like you're signing a contract with yourself that you are going to uh, get tough. You're going to get tough and you, you laid out your goals. And the reason why I actually got into journaling, let me step this back about 10 years when me and my wife started dating, she thought I was an absolute nut. And I'm sure a lot of people get this. I don't get it anymore, but I used to get the Sunday blues. Some people call it the Sundays, the Sunday blues. Me and Bush like Billy always called it the Sunday blues. And my my brain would start... Uh, running just just going just going crazy and Cal you know we're just like newly dating pretty much she thought that was absolutely insane and but I would be up all night you know I'm, I'm supposed to be up for work at four o'clock in the morning at the time and like I'm running around the house at you know 11 30 like all just like my brain's just going in a million directions and finally the one time she says why don't you just write it down like uh get a journal and on Sundays uh write down what you're thinking and you wouldn't you or you would be surprised. So you do that. If you're one of these people that panic on Sundays about just the week coming or whatever, grab a pad of paper and actually put down what you're thinking. What is your brain running through? And I'm willing to bet that you're actually going to have a hard time coming up with a page full of things to write down because uh, what you're really worried about is is absolutely ridiculous. And maybe not, you know, not in all cases, but like the things I was wor- worried about were just trivial. You know, uh, the weekends come and go, and I live for the weekends. I love doing what I do. So I guess I'm almost like just heartbroken that it's over. And I think that was more of my problem than what's actually coming in the week. It's just like that this weekend was over, especially when it was a good weekend. You caught a lot of fish, whatever. So I got this. I I started doing that journal and you start writing it down and you're almost at peace with it. Because when you do start coming up, when you do start writing down what's wrong or what's your brain running about, uh, you kind of. As you're writing it, you're like, man, I'm I'm just being ridiculous. I'm just being ridiculous. This is pathetic. These problems aren't problems. And you, you just kind of work through it. You kind of write it. And then for me, it goes out of my brain and it's just kind of, it, it just puts me a piece. I can go to sleep. So, but by writing some of this stuff, good or bad, like I said, in a journal, it could actually prep you for what's coming. So, you know, I've had, I've had good days of fishing that I wrote about in here. Uh, I can't even find, I guess it's just like, there's so many pages in here. I wish I could like come up. Uh, this one's actually relatively new. It goes back to like halfway through last year. But, you know, uh, some of these pages, some of these stories are three pages long. Other ones are three sentences long. And But it just explains just explains what I saw, what I felt, how it went. And you celebrate the good times and you mourn the bad. I don't know if mourn is the right word, but you definitely have to reflect on the bad because most of the time you're going to learn a lesson. It's from the bad times. And it almost, it almost burns this into your brain a little bit more. And you realize what you have to do when you... Write it down because I'm telling you, it's kind of like signing a contract with yourself. For instance, any of you listeners right now could get this. There's this book exists. Um, anything I write can be seen by anybody in the world. Could be read by anybody in the world. And I think that almost makes it a little more uh, just permanent in your brain, and you realize, okay, this is on paper. I see what I have to do, and it's all spelled out in front of me, and it came from my own brain. And so you could actually respond to it a little easier. So, yeah, I mean, all I can. That's just, it's it, the journaling is very important to me now. Uh, frustrated days. I actually, uh, you know, I keep me and, uh, I don't know if I should say all this, but you know, I'm not gonna, me and Pat are talking about writing something uh, in the near future. He had a pipe dream and we were actually thinking about it. We actually might do it. Uh, but pretty much it might, we might have a Whistle Mission Outdoors novel and I'm just gonna leave it at that. And the other thing too, I wanna thank uh, 
in, in fact, uh, when he listens to this, he's going to have a good timestamp. But today, a buddy of mine, Phil, uh, sent me a picture. It's on my Instagram at uh, Whistle Mission Outdoors. Um, he sent me a picture. We were talking last week on uh, the bison at Fermilab. And he actually was he was doing a job there today. He goes, hey, snap me a picture. And I put it on my Instagram. I thought it was cool. I always knew they were there. I'd never actually seen them. Um, the other thing, uh, from what I can tell, I, there's, there, I saw a story when I was researching my Illinois stories, but a guy saw a white deer and this kind of reminds me of the, the bison thing, but the white deer, some people call them albinos and other people know that's just a species. But I do know at Argonne national laboratories, the guy that used to live there was actually like waterfall Glen now, but he had exotic animals and some of them were actually dropped off. I, it was from some Asian country. I'm going to say China, but it might not, might've been something else, but I'm p- quite sure it was somebody from China dropped off these white deer and let them go. And for some reason, when I'm researching these stories, they never bring that up. But if you can actually Google, if you're looking for a good story, look up white deer at Argonne National Laboratories, and you're going to actually learn uh, some interesting facts about white deer. And look up the pictures. They're really neat looking. They are really, really neat looking. So that's my message this week. I'm sorry it's short. I just, uh, without Pat, I'm kind of a, you know, like I like to say, a ship without a port. He's my uh, right-hand man. And, uh, don't really know what to do without them. Couldn't really do this without them. But I wanted to put something out there for you guys this week. And uh, this, I just read the dates on all the entries. So, I mean, you know how new that this is. I mean, I, I wrote one on 12, 9, 10, uh, and 12. And so these are fresh in my brain. And it actually, uh, it, I, I was reading Finish Strong. And I'm thinking, you, you know, you're tougher. You're, you were tougher for it every time you do something that you have to finish strong because you're losing your mental mental capability of it, you end up stronger than when you started. And because you recognize that you're breaking down and you recognize that you have to finish tough. So that's my message. Finish tough. Be strong. Be stronger than your body is. And uh, that's all I have this week. And thanks for listening. And next week, we have one of two stories we're going to talk about, either the invasive species or our intro to archery. And I literally mean me and Pat's intro to archery which we were complete clowns. And within a year, we got we got pretty advanced for what we do and know. So that should be some good stories. But, I, of course, I got to wait for Pat to get better and get back into it. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, you guys have a good week. Yeah.